Well, <coughs> you know, what I like to do is teach through a book. And before the holidays, I was in 1 Samuel. So I want to come back to 1 Samuel now, chapter 4, and pick it up. Because this is a really good word for me and for you as we're going into a new year. As I sat down to prepare in the Costa coffee shop, I go, what do we need? What do we really need, God? And as you try to discern the mind of the Lord, you always feel inadequate. But God gave me exactly what we needed, and it's in our normal course of study. And I love that. So here we are in 1 Samuel chapter 4. And the reason why it's important is that God refuses to do what his people are asking him to do. They want freedom. And he not only refuses to give them freedom, but he also gives them over to defeat and mourning and chaos, oppression and death. He is not with them because they're not with him. So what we're looking at is the necessity for a relationship with God, because that supplies everything in life. And our first priority is to maintain that relationship with God. So I'm reading here in 1 Samuel chapter 4. It says, And the word of Samuel came to all Israel. Now, Israel went out to battle against the Philistines and encamped beside Ebenezer, and the Philistines encamped in Aphek. Then the Philistines put themselves in battle array against Israel. And when they joined battle, Israel was defeated by the Philistines, who killed about 4,000 men of the army in the field. And when the people had come into the camp, the elders of Israel said, why has the Lord defeated us today before the Philistines? Let us bring the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord from Shiloh to us, that when it comes among us, it may save us from the hand of our enemies. So the people sent to Shiloh that they might bring from there the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord of hosts, who dwells between the cherubim. And the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, were there with the Ark of the Covenant of God. And when the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord came into the camp, all Israel shouted so loudly that the earth shook. Now when the Philistines heard the noise of the shout, they said, What does the sound of this great shout in the camp of the Hebrews mean? Then they understood that the Ark of the Lord had come into the camp. So the Philistines were afraid, for they said, God has come into the camp. And they said, Woe to us, for such a thing has never happened before. Woe to us! Who will deliver us from the hand of these mighty gods? These are the gods who struck the Egyptians with all the plagues and the wilderness. Be strong and conduct yourselves like men, you Philistines, that you do not become servants of the Hebrews, 
as they have been to you. Conduct yourselves like men and fight. So, here we have in the first part of the chapter, Israel going out to meet the Philistines in battle. So far in 1 Samuel, we've seen that the worship of God in Israel is at a really low point. Men despise the worship of the Lord. This is the first indication in 1 Samuel of how Israel is doing as a nation. And they're fighting to free themselves from the Philistines. You can see in verse 9 that right now the situation is the Hebrews, the Israelites, are slaves of the Philistines. The Philistines dominate Israel politically, economically, and emotionally. They hate Israel and they love to oppress them. And the only way that Israel sees out of this mess is to fight for freedom. Throw off the yoke of oppression, establish your autonomy, determine your own destiny. But then we notice in verse 2 that this does not work. The Philistines are stronger than Israel. They fight better. And Israel loses 4,000 men. There's no freedom that has been won on that day. There's only mourning. There are widows and orphans now in Israel. People are ruined. The situation hasn't gotten better. It's gotten worse. So then we notice in verse 3, the elders of Israel consider their next step and they take it. And they ask a really good question. You know, the rule in life is ask a good question, get a good answer. And they ask, why has the Lord defeated us today before the Philistines? But then you notice they don't even wait to answer their own question. There's no soul searching, no questioning, no, why are we in this mess? What does God want? What is God doing? None of that. They just have an inspiration. We need the presence of God. That's a great idea. Let's get the Ark of the Covenant and put God right there in the battle that it may deliver us from our adversaries. That, that's a great idea. You know, just like Raiders of the Lost Ark. Just find it, point it in the right direction, boom. Instant victory. What a great idea. That has to work. And it seems like it's working. They get Hophni and Phinehas to bring over the Ark of the Covenant. They're the sons of Eli, the high priest who's evidently the judge of Israel at this time. And the interesting thing is they don't know the Lord. That's already been shown to us. That's not that they don't know God, like who is he, but they're not in a relationship with God. These are worthless scum. 
who despises worship. They take from the worshipers that come up to Shiloh. They're even sleeping with the women who serve at the door of the tent. These guys are worthless. And it's a little ironic that they have to now carry the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord into battle. Can you imagine what they must be thinking right now? Like, gee, I hope this stuff works. Now, when the Ark of the Covenant comes in to the camp, everybody's encouraged. This has been a great morale booster. Everyone shouts till the earth shakes, banging their spear on their shields. Ah! Very confident. And every soldier and commander thinks, this is it. This is the day. We get rid of the Philistines. We get our country back. We get to do what we want. No more poverty. No more humiliation. We pay back the Philistines today for all these years. Nobody can beat the Lord. This is it. And the Philistines hear this, and they're scared to death. Now, that's what you want before a battle. All your guys are pumped, and the enemy is going, Oh, no. Woe to us. And they keep saying, Gods have come into the camp. They use the proper name in verse 7, God, but that word there is Elohim, which refers to at least three or more. Now, the Philistines are used to gods, lots of gods out there. When you apply that term Elohim to the Lord, it is a plural of majesty and really an acknowledgement that there is a plurality of persons in the Godhead. But as far as the Philistines know, their God is God's. That's what these Hebrews keep saying, God's. Okay, fine, God's. But the God's have come into the camp. They have to fight against God's. And so... They think, oh no, what if it's all true? The stuff we know about God. And you notice they got it kind of garbled, kind of smashed together. Yes, God plagued Egypt, but he didn't do it in the wilderness. It's like Israel was in the wilderness for 40 years. They just kind of hear this kind of junk and they smash it all together and they go, gods, they smote Egypt in the wilderness. We're dead, we're dead, we're dead. What if it's all true? And these gods are in their camp and we have to face them. We're dead. So they tell each other, you guys, we, we got to fight like there's no tomorrow. If we don't fight, we're going to be their slaves. And so the Philistines are absolutely desperate. Sounds like it's working. So let's read verse 10. So the Philistines fought, and Israel was defeated, and every man fled to his tent. 
there was a very great slaughter, and there fell of Israel 30,000 foot soldiers. Also, the ark of God was captured, and the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, died. Then a man of Benjamin ran from the battle line the same day and came to Shiloh with his clothes torn and dirt on his head. Now when he came, there was Eli, sitting on a seat by the wayside, watching, for his heart trembled for the ark of God. And when the man came into the city and told it, all the city cried out. When Eli heard the noise of the outcry, he said, What does the sound of this tumult mean? And the man came quickly and told Eli. Eli was 98 years old, and his eyes were so dim that he could not see. Then the man said to Eli, I am he who came from the battle, and I fled today from the battle line. And he said, What happened, my son? So the messenger answered and said, Israel has fled before the Philistines, and there has been a great slaughter among the people. Also your two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, are dead, and the ark of God has been captured. Then it, made, then it happened, when he made mention of the ark of God, that Eli fell off the seat backward by the side of the gate, and his neck was broken, and he died. For the man was old and heavy, and he had judged Israel forty years. Now his daughter-in-law, Phineas's wife, was with child, due to be delivered. And when she heard the news that the ark of God was captured, and that her father-in-law and her husband were dead, she bowed herself and gave birth, for her labor pains came upon her. And about the time of her death, the women who stood by her said to her, Do not fear, for you have borne a son. But she did not answer, nor did she regard it. Then she named the child Ichabod, saying, The glory had departed from Israel, because the ark of God had been captured, and because of her father-in-law and her husband. And she said, The glory has departed from Israel, for the ark of God has been captured. <coughs> so this outcome is completely against everyone's expectations. And the Philistines keep fighting. That's the effect of the language there in verse 10. They keep fighting, and Israel keeps on being defeated. 30,000 Israelites die. That's over seven times the casualties of the last battle. And then Hophni and Phinehas get killed. You know, maybe some Philistines take it upon themselves and they say, you know, if we die, we die. Let's go rush that ark. And they just go whack. And both of those guys are dead. And the ark falls on the ground. And those guys go, we're still alive. And they begin yelling, it's just a box. It's just a box. And the Philistines keep repeating it. And they go, oh, nice try. And they just massacre Israel. It's just a box. We were scared of a box. And of course, Israel completely loses control. There's no order, nobody hanging, no brothers in arms, none of that junk. It's like every man for himself, get me out of here. 
a complete route. So then we see this runner in verse 12 comes to Shiloh to give news because Eli is the judge of Israel. He's ruling as the government in Israel. And so that's the capital, basically. And that's where the news has to come first because that's where the Philistines are coming next. That is, they're going to come and completely destroy the center of life in Israel, Shiloh. We don't get it so much here, but it is alluded to in other parts of the Bible, such as Psalm 78, verse 60. And this is something that keeps coming up in Jeremiah, in chapter 7 and in chapter 26. God says, if you don't repent, I'm going to make this city like Shiloh. And what that means is God is going to level Jerusalem the way he destroyed Shiloh. And then you notice that Eli hears this. He couldn't see anymore. He couldn't move very much because he's big, really big. He's just waiting for the news, and he hears the worst news possible. Both of his sons are dead, and the ark has been taken by the Philistines. And he's so shocked, he falls off his chair, breaks his neck, and he's dead. And then even Phineas's wife hears all this stuff. Israel's lost. Hophni and Phineas are dead. The ark is taken. Her father-in-law is dead, and she's so jolted emotionally that she goes into labor. Now, the baby makes it, but she doesn't. And she's, she's named the baby Ichabod, which means no glory. And she sinks into death, saying it over and over again. The glory has departed from Israel. The glory has departed from Israel. That's what she says as she dies. So, so far, this isn't a very encouraging New Year's message, is it? But let's go back to verse 3 and answer the question asked by the elders of Israel. Why has the Lord defeated us before the Philistines? And the answer is in Judges chapter 13, verse 1, where it says, Now the sons of Israel did evil again in the sight of the Lord, so that the Lord gave them into the hands of the Philistines forty years. Now, doing evil again refers to forsaking the Lord and worshiping other gods. So God is not with Israel because they're not with him. They ignored their relationship with God. They did what they would do in cycles all through the book of Judges. And that is, they would serve the Lord for maybe one, two, kind of getting sketchy there. But by the third generation, they say, 
I'm not going to follow the Lord. I don't need the Lord. That's stupid. It's a bunch of junk you got to do. And what I want to do is go after the good things in life directly. That's how you do it. You don't have to kind of weigh yourself down by all these rules and regulations and throw out this junk. It's a bunch of mumbo jumbo anyway. So let's just streamline. Let's just get right to it and work hard, get the good things. And they ignored their relationship with God. That means they refused to take notice of, failed to give it proper attention, and dismissed it as of little importance. You don't need that. So, they went after the blessings they desired. You want a good harvest. You want everything to work out for your family. You want the stuff you want and need. Not a problem. And they said, well, serving the Lord, that's kind of a roundabout way to just get right to business, right? And here's the problem with going directly after what you need, is you're in charge. You're deciding what you need and what you want, and it ignores the one who gives all good things and the one who is in charge. And that is to seek other gods and expect good from these other gods that is idolatry. And it's unfaithfulness because the people were already in a relationship with God, a covenant relationship forever. For them to say, yeah, I don't need this, and go after other things is to be unfaithful towards God. That's idolatry. So when the elders of Israel Say, what is this? Why did the Lord defeat us today before the Philistines? They're ignoring the bigger issue. Their sin before God of seeking other gods. So when they say, let's get the ark, they're not asking, what do you want, God? What do we need to repent of? How's our relationship? Are we in line with what you want? They're basically saying, let's get God to bless what we want. He wants this stuff. Sure he does. So we're going to make God do what we want. We want him to bless our plans. We want him to free us up. I mean, what's the deal, God? So they're not trusting in God. They're trusting in a golden box. And... They're continuing to commit idolatry with the very things of God. They're that close, but they're still missing the point. So they're defeated because God is not in that box. He was not with them. He was against them. And this is the judgment that God said he would bring on the nation. That is, it's one of the curses from Leviticus 26, 
where it says, if you do not obey me and do not carry out all these commandments, I will set my face against you so that you will be struck down before your enemies. And those who hate you will rule over you and you will flee when no one is pursuing you. So it's also the judgment that God said he would bring on Eli and his sons. That's back in chapter 2, verse 31. Behold, the days are coming when I will break your strength and the strength of your father's house so that there will not be an old man in your house. You will see the distress of my dwelling in spite of all the good that I do for Israel. And an old man will not be in your house forever. Yet I will not cut off every man of yours from my altar so that your eyes will fail from weeping and your soul will grieve and all the increase of your house will die in the prime of life. This will be the sign to you which will come concerning your two sons, Hophni and Phinehas. On the same day, both of them will die. Now, God did that. He carried out his judgment. He warned Eli multiple times, unmistakably. And yet, doesn't seem like God's carrying out judgment. It's like, who knows? But then God says we're done. And today, I'm going to carry out everything. And he said, the ears of everyone who hears this will tingle. And everybody's ears are tingling right now. Because the Israelites are being even more shattered as a people. Now their judge, Eli, is dead. His sons are dead. And his grandsons are orphans. So now what? There's no choice but to obey the Philistines. It's worse than ever. So, here we are, starting a new year. And here's something to consider for the rest of the year. Your relationship with God is absolutely crucial. You know that judgment is coming upon the world for idolatry. Seeking blessing directly apart from God who gives the blessing. And the entire world is lost in idolatry. Seeking gods of economics and prosperity, material abundance, gods of pleasure and satisfaction, gods of peace and safety. But people are not seeking these things through Jesus. Because they say that's not how you get anything you want. You go directly to Amazon. That's how you get the good stuff. Stick it on your credit card and worry about that junk later. But God says, you know what? We have a problem. 
you have ignored me, forsaken me. You have no relationship with me. You're dead in your sins and your transgressions. Therefore, your life cannot run right. I'm not going to bless your seeking false lying gods. Now, if you are reconciled to me and you are made right with me through Jesus, then we can talk about all this other piddly little stuff that you're looking for, but you're missing eternal life, reconciliation, and forgiveness. And this is a continual tendency in our lives, is to just go after the things we need. we got to do this. But we don't think, well, what does God want? And how will God supply? And I need to ask him about these things. So what does God want? Am I listening to him? Am I asking him? How's my relationship with God? Am I close to him? So either your relationship with God is the very foundation of your life, or else you're ignoring that and pursuing good and necessary things, but in the wrong way. So this is, I think, a good challenge. This year, take it seriously, your relationship with God. That is the absolute foundation of your life. And then we need lots of stuff. We need jobs. We need healing. We need help with our work. We need lots of stuff. And yet we are going to seek that through Jesus. And say, okay, God, here I am. I'm sick. What do you want? I'm broke. What do you want? My family needs help. What do you want? And we can say, Lord, bless in the name of Jesus. And then we will see God work out all of our needs according to his good and acceptable and perfect will. In James 1, verse 17, it says, Every good thing given and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shifting shadow. So, you know, God made this world. These good things are his good things. And if we're in right relationship with him, we can ask and expect to receive. Matthew 6.31 says, Do not worry then, saying, What will we eat, or what will we drink, or what will we wear for clothing? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. 
and all these things will be added to you. In Psalm 84, verse 11, it says, For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord gives grace and glory. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, how blessed is the man who trusts in you. So this is what I think is the word of the Lord to us for this year. We're going to face all of life through Jesus and depend on our good heavenly Father to lead us and guide us, to heal us, to supply us. That relationship is the most important. Let's pray. Thank you, Heavenly Father, that you're so good to us. That it's really your presence that we need, not a golden box, not a good broadband connection. All the other things we need are so tiny in comparison to this one thing, a right relationship with you, access into this grace in which we stand. Because if you are for us, who can be against us? We praise you that you are our helper. And we look to you first. In those places where we have gone after our own way, haven't thought about you, what you want, we want to repent and turn from our own way and turn to you and say, Lord, here we are. Behold your bondservants. We ask you to touch our bodies and heal us. We ask you for our daily bread today and tomorrow. We pray that your will would be accomplished on earth just as it is in heaven. Help us to pray without ceasing that we might be right at the center of your presence. And we pray that you would be with us throughout this year. We want to commit 2022 into your hands. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. So, God bless you today. And we're praying for you. You pray for us. We pray that we love everybody. That's the most important thing. So, God be with you. We'll see you soon.